What's everyone? Can't speak. Wow. Has it been that long? Jeez. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Bike Shop Boyfriend. I'm your host, Dustin, uh, a.k.a. the godfather on the road rides, and um, also known as Sparky when I'm in my office, and uh, to my nieces and nephews. Welcome to another episode. Uh, as already mentioned, it's been a little while, and finally have some stuff to talk about. So let's just get to it. All right, so I have uh, have been a part of a group on Instagram where we are direct messaging each other. It's actually the uh, conspirators that are uh, coming with myself or I am joining them. Either way, together, we are going on a gravel battle in May around uh, the U.S. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and that would be the week after Victoria Day. So to Canadians, that's just the following weekend um so one of the topics that came up this morning at about i'd say five minutes to 7 a.m uh and it just lit up my phone because everyone's adding their two cents and it was really funny to watch but not participate in uh was the questions around tire selection going tubeless what kind of tire widths were being discussed um and it was actually very interesting because we pretty much all have slightly different ideas of what a gravel tire should be and different solutions to what a gravel tire should be. Um, because of this new uh, attention, I would have to say, in terms of this style of riding with a drop bar uh, on a 650B or 700C wheel set, depending where you're going. Um, there's many, 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 many options for you to explore, discuss, and sort of get, uh, sold. Um, so the 650 options, it does, uh, really make it worthwhile if I would say terrain is going to be closer to single track. Uh, if you're from a mountain bike background, you know that it's going to be a very tight trail sort of system. Um, additionally, if you are wanting a maybe a bit more plush uh, due to the gravel conditions of the terrain you're going to be on, 650 offers you a little bit more air volume for the amount of tire that is given, if that makes sense. Um, so overall, you'll have way more air to mess around with and having more air just gives you a bit more cushion to uh, supple out your ride. Um, GCN actually this weekend just posted a video uh, regarding the discussion between 650B and 700C wheels. So if you check out YouTube, that particular video, very interesting, uh, a lot of great points to be made. Um, they were riding on WTBs, uh, I believe both a 700C and a 650B uh, tire set ergo wheel set to go with that um, I've yet to try the 650B wheel set however so I'm totally uh, gonna have my opinion biased by the fact that I've only ridden 700C plus tires uh, the biggest I've ever gone was 40C I will say that they are very plush uh, from what I've been riding here in terms of handling loose gravel, uh, big quarter down uh, rock, um, 
able to handle that, especially if you begin to sink a little bit, you have that extra bit of volume to grip and almost snowshoe at speed over top of it. And you really do float over top. And it's quite the exhilarating feeling on such a narrow bar in comparison in comparison to a two niner flat bar. Um, my prefer preference of bar right now is about a 44 uh, centimeter uh, center to center bar uh, for this kind of application. So um, allowing me to handle that, those are just um, my instant preferences. Uh, but it sounds like we might be riding the full gamut. No one's really uh, put their dollars on the barrel head just yet in terms of what they are buying. Um, but I'm actually very excited to follow up this particular segment uh, in the future with what everyone's purchasing, the essential, the hammer, and the machine. Um, they're all going to be buying something. So it's just going to be really interesting come race day and practicality uh, what we're all riding. So stay tuned for that. One thing to add to that previous segment about tires uh, in terms of sizing, there we go. Um, it really does depend on the frame of the bike that you are uh, selecting. Um, one thing I have noticed is that the uh, smaller frames, uh, in terms of their overall geometry to accommodate these wheels, sometimes for a gravel-based bike, um, they automatically give you a 650B wheel set just to accommodate the smaller rear triangle and uh, front fork clearances. Um, it is a tighter space, they do have to accommodate for that, so they're instantly sort of restricted to the 650B. There's not many brands doing that, however, I will say that Norco with their Search uh, XR line, um, they are doing that with 54 centimeter-ish, 52 centimeter frames and smaller. They instantly get the 650B option, uh, it is a smaller wheel set. Um, we sort of you can fit actually a 700c uh by 28 wheel set in there um to make it more of a road bike i would say but it's just going to be uh, one of those interesting things that the designers i guess made uh as a call right off the get-go uh 650b works in that size frame which is really good because then it's uh frame tuned for the demographic who's going to be riding it if that makes sense um the right tool is going to suit that purpose for that rider. Uh, if you're a slightly taller rider, uh, 54, and I believe is comes with the both options, um, 56, 58, and 60. Uh, those frame sizes all come with the option that you can get a 650B as well as a 700C wheel set. Not both. I will give that caveat. Um, just a heads up they allow for both, so it should be less of an issue. Um, so yeah, just a heads up. Uh, one thing to add as well, man, I got lots of post notes here. Um, tubeless, uh, that's the big thing. Uh, in our group chat, uh, pretty much all four of us agreed that uh, going tubeless is kind of the way to go. Uh, if it's set up right, you should not have any burping. Uh, we are going to be testing our tubeless setups before we go on this trip, so it's not riding on new technology or new equipment um, where things can go wrong. It's going to be something known. Uh, and of course, chances are we are going to be riding with uh, 
emergency tube sets just in case, uh, as well as uh, I know I am and I know the essential is uh, we're investing in these Dynaplug uh, tubeless repair kit setups that should you puncture, um, the option is that this spear-like injection syringe plug looking thing uh, has a piece of uh, tube with it or actually latex couldn't quite say what it is but it allows you to plunge it straight into the hole slash uh, rupture pull it out and it sort of staunches the bleeding as I would call it of tubelessness and you can throw in a bit more uh, co2 or pump it back up so that way you can keep on rolling um, I really don't know how much uh, how many punctures you can do because I don't necessarily think that the plug itself reloads itself amazing if it could though um and hopefully you know knock on wood i don't have any wood around me to give you that sound effect um we don't come across that but we are bringing something to that effect as well as well as extra tubes uh just in case that all fails and we need to go the classic clincher tube and co2 options um so yeah so we're gonna definitely be well prepared but we're definitely gonna be riding on tubeless uh, for the gravel battle when it comes around and some of those training rides slash adventure time for rays as I'll name them uh, I'm gonna call that hashtag now so adventure time for a that might be the hashtag where you'll see our training rides uh, come the springtime and another follow-up uh, to my initial chat discussion with myself I suppose but also with you um, about tires there I got a tweet from my man the essential aka Russell Uh, he was asking me what tire selection I was looking at Um, the discussion in our group is uh, for sure tubeless and you want as much air volume as possible that is allowed uh, one that will fit in your frame uh, your bike frame uh, and also for what you are comfortable riding on Um, Myself, I'm probably going to be going with a WTB Resolute, uh, possibly the 42. Um, It just looks like a great all-round speedy-looking tire. Um, That's if I go with a 700C option. And if I go with a 650B option, I really haven't made up any of my mind just yet as to what options I really am looking at. Uh, I don't even know if I am going to be riding 650B. So having said that, um, I'm very just keeping my options open. I don't even have the bike yet. So I got to uh, keep my options open. uh, And that might be a bit of a late to the party type uh, purchase. But uh, yeah, just wanted to quickly address that particular tweet. So there you have it. So you may have pieced it together through the course of uh, these podcasts that I'm a huge fan of other cycling uh, podcasts that are out there. Um, The Cycling Podcast, that's the name of the podcast, uh, has a subscription-based auxiliary? Yeah, I guess is my best word for that. Um, Additional companion to their regular program uh, called the Friends of the Podcast. Um, it's subscription based, so you do have to pay, uh, for the entire year. I believe in Canadian, it came out to 20 ish dollars. 
Uh, very well spent. I actually subscribed last year for the first time. Loved it tremendously. They do great content. They take you behind the scenes of certain races. Uh, they subjugate some of their uh, uh, contributors actually to uh, some of the perils of like Perry Roubaix, which was really funny to listen to. Um, Richard Moore was in the car with Cannondale Dre Pack, uh, which is now EF Education First Dre Pack. Mouthful there still. Um, but they have all this extra content that is just tremendous. You can't get it anywhere else. And it's super interesting to listen to uh, when you're on the bike. Uh, if you're driving, it's one of those things I really enjoy listening to. I wouldn't recommend listening to it while riding a bike. That's just my own view, but uh, I like to hear what's around me, so I don't need it to soundtrack my, my ride. Um, but their latest one is called the Casule uh, Podcast, and it's a play on their words, obviously. One of their contributors, Lionel Bernie, is obsessed with Casule when they go through France. He almost makes it a point of pilgrimage to stop and get cassoulet. Um, just to give a little background on what cassoulet is, it is beans, duck fat, uh, duck itself, smoked ham hock, uh, some sausages. It's really a peasant one pot type dish. And the purpose of this particular podcast was that they were, uh, all the contributors were cooking for a chef who wrote a grand tour cookbook where he wrote, um, just the day before all the grand tour stages, the grand tour stage, uh, if that makes sense. So he did something like 62 ish, um, stages throughout the entire year and then wrote a, uh, cookbook based on all that. Uh, what the local specialty is and all this and that. If this is getting you hungry, that's the point. Um, I was really taken by that particular episode of the podcast and it really made me excited to cook. A little bit of background on my own employment history. I did work as a cook for a little while, uh, for about two years. um, And it was maybe the most fun I've had working day to day but also the most stressful, hardest job I've ever had uh, day to day in that the stress, uh, you're only as good as your last plate, um, the long hours, the injuries that come with it, all those good things. But it made me want to uh, try and document and capture maybe some of my meals that I'd like to make uh, for myself, um, maybe in an audible uh, context here where you could actually listen to me cook, maybe to what I got playing in the background, maybe me talking through things. So that might be something that is coming up in future podcasts. We'll see how it goes. Um, just due to five minutes of hand-free action, I can only do so much, right? So, um, Yeah, I just want to know if that would interest you and if there's actually any cooking podcast that you are into that you would recommend. Drop me a line, give me a shout out and maybe hit me up on Twitter and let me know. Cool. So this morning got up at uh, 5.45, got through my trainer road workout. It was a beast slash fight club of one um, over 120 uh, percent my FTP um, in some cases that I had to hold on to for almost three minutes uh, blew me out I went into anaerobic threshold areas there if you know what that is it feels like your heart's about to escape your ears um, 
there's tightness in my chest and all that fun stuff. So you're really, really working hard, sweating profusely, all that good stuff. But you're borderline trying to put yourself to shock, I'd have to say. Um, survived the workout just barely. It wasn't my cleanest intervals that I've ever done. Uh, I am coming back onto a regimented routine of getting back into the swing of things. Um, but I just wanted to share real quickly that it was uh, it, it was just nice to actually be back and have that perseverance of getting through that hour of uh, horrible, horrible torture onto myself. So just thought I'd share. Enjoy. So in the bike shop, we get a subscription of uh, Canadian Cycling Magazine. I'm just double checking. Yes, Canadian Cycling Magazine. Um, and I had a customer actually ask me this question. What did I think about? Uh, well, I think they asked me about the content of that particular magazine versus other ones. Um, and it got me thinking, what is sort of my view on uh, printed material for the cycling industry by and large? To me, and I'm only speaking for myself, is that there really isn't a whole heck of a lot of really good content out there at the moment. Um, and if there is, it's very irregular and it tends to be uh, more of a quarterly, possibly even uh, bi-monthly type um, regularity in terms of how often you can get that content. Additionally, the speed at which digital media is uh, sort of, and the internet is outpacing printed media um, a lot of these stories are already dated or um, if it's a race feature they'll come out like another month after the race is maybe ended um, so there's a lot of uh, gestation period and like speed that is being given up by uh, printed media to digital media which moves way faster than uh, they ever could truthfully um, that's why I really like podcasts is that they're able to on a weekly basis or even on a daily basis, they're able to actually uh, distill information very quickly and distribute it as fast as they could. Uh, however, it's sometimes inaccurate and they have to revise things, but that's the nature of the beast, I would say. Um, but as far as printed media, back to the initial question, back to printed media here. Um, my favorite publications are not ones that come out monthly all that often. Um, my favorite ones are often uh, magazines like Rouleur, um as well as Mondial. Both of those obviously have a French uh, title to them, but they're both British publications. Mondial is done by Rafa. Rouleur was done by Rafa, but then they sold it to another uh, publication company. Um, both do really great content. However, I will mention that Mondial is very... Um, Oh, it's more of a lifestyle and it gives you some very tangential references back into cycling so it does it's it's more of a periodical you have to sort of view it like that um, Rulera is really great because it actually gets into the history the lore the writers backgrounds uh, the characters photo essays the photos alone are worth picking up that magazine if you can afford it it's kind of expensive when it's shipped to North America um, and it's way better than the, uh, the the schlop that you'll get from North America publications. I'm sorry if that's offending anyone, but that's the truth. Um, I find that the ads that they put into those publications get drowned out by the content that they're trying to publish. Um, 
And even when you look at the overall how much was published, you're going to find that there's a majority of ads rather than actual content material. So having said that, it's more of an advertising booklet than it is an actual magazine that is trying to give you some good content. Um, especially when they're doing a product review, it, they're never really getting into it. It's really just lip service of whoever they want to sell, etc. And whoever's buying, I assume that page. So um, it's just one of those things where I take a very standoffish stance when it comes to printed media. However, if it gets you excited about riding a bike, uh, purchasing a bike, getting all that stuff and enjoying the sport and the activity, I highly recommend get into it follow your bliss. I really can't go say more than that, but just go and do it. Um, but if you're looking for the really good stuff, it is out there. Um, if you want to know more, uh, just drop me a line, let me know. And so with that, I'm going to draw this episode of bike shop boyfriend to a close. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, uh, recommendations, I asked a few questions on this one. Um, if you got some opinions, love to hear them. Uh, let's have a conversation. I always enjoy that. So if you do, you can give me a shout out here on anchor.fm or you could also drop me a line on Twitter, D-U-S-T-I-N-W-H-T. The more interactions I get, the more I can get verified. That's the big goal of all this. I'd have to say the big blue check mark. I'm joking. I, I really don't care. Um, also, you can drop me a direct message on Instagram if you have visual references that you want to talk about. Um, again, same handle. It's D-U-S-T-I-N-W-H-T. And I'd love to hear from you. Until then, enjoy your day. Enjoy the ride. And we'll talk to you soon.